Good morning, Husky fans. Bleed Blue blog here to discuss the matchup between the Butler Bulldogs and our Yukon Huskies. Game is slated for 8.30 p.m. on Tuesday, January 26th on Fox Sports 1. Butler overall 5-7, 4-4 in Big East play. They are winners of two in a row, including a 70-66 overtime win over Creighton, as well as a 67-53 victory over DePaul. UConn, meanwhile, losers of two straight to St. John's and Creighton, 7-3 overall, 4-3 in Big East play. Plan for today, recap the last time these two teams met, take a look at Butler behind the numbers, a look at their roster, and then what we're looking for. But first, a word from our sponsor. The last time these two teams met was on January 9th, 72-60 win for the Huskies, leading for all but 19 seconds of the entire game. It was almost a wire-to-wire win. For UConn, it was their first game without James Booknight. Tyler Polly led all scorers with 19 points off the bench, going 5-for-10 from the field, 5-for-8 from three. Tyrese Martin, the only other double-digit scorer for UConn, 15 points on 5-of-12 shooting, 3-for-4 from three. Isaiah Whaley, Brendan Adams, both with 9 points. RJ Cole, 7.7 rebounds. Jalen Gaffney, 20 minutes, 5 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 assists, excuse me. Carlton, 10 minutes, 2 points. Sonogo, just 9 minutes of action, 4 points, 4 rebounds, 3 turnovers, 3 fouls. Overall, UConn shot 43% from the field, 10 for 21 from 3, won the rebounding battle 30-27, including 9-6 to on the offensive end, turned it over just 12 times. For Butler, it was Bryce Enzi finishing with 18 points on 6 of 8 shooting. Shooters Chuck Harris and Jair Bolden combined for just 13 points on 4 of 11 shooting, 3 for 7 from 3. Big man Bryce Golden added 10 points, while point guard Aaron Thompson, who was in just his second back second game back from injury, finished with 14 points and 6 assists. Overall, Butler shot 47% from the field, 5 for 15 from 3, turned it over 15 times. Since the loss, Butler has lost to St. John's before beating Creighton in overtime and then DePaul on last Tuesday, so a week off for the Bulldogs. They did have some COVID stuff going on, but I think it was a false positive. I don't really remember, and they're able to play against UConn tonight. For UConn, as we know, beat DePaul after Butler before losing to St. John's and then at Creighton this past Saturday. Butler behind the numbers. These numbers were taken from Monday night. And Monday afternoon, so there's a chance the rankings have changed. The ratings will all, and the percentages will all still be the same, but the rankings may have changed. So Butler, 87th in Ken Palm, 119th in adjusted offense, but 56th in adjusted defense. Seems like their defense just keeps getting better. Similar to UConn, they play at a slow pace, 324th in adjusted tempo, 341st in average possession length. On offense, they are a little above average in three-point shooting, shooting just below 35%. They, they, though, rank close to last in free-throw shooting. On defense, their three-point D, which ranks 247th, is not very good. However, it has improved since the last time these two teams played. So it is improving. They don't really turn opponents over that often, ranking 250th in defensive turnover percentage. However, they also don't allow many offensive rebounds. They rank 18th in opponent offensive rebounding percentage. So... While they may not force those extra possessions with their turnovers, they don't allow for opponents to get many on the glass. On offense as a team, 
Butler does their best work, pick and roll situations. They run pick and rolls about 36% of possessions, shooting 41% from the field on those possessions. And then on post-ups, although they only run it about 12% of the time, they're shooting 46% on all post-ups. Catch and shoots, shooting 37%, which is above average. Heading into the first meeting, Butler did not defend the pick and roll well at all. Now they're allowing scores on just 36% of pick and roll possessions. Okay, when the ball is entered into the post, though, Butler was not very good at defending the post the first time these two teams met, and they are still not great at it, allowing teams to shoot 53% on all post possessions. So what what do all those numbers mean? My biggest takeaway is this. The Butler defense is steadily improving. Aaron Thompson back in the lineup, certainly more consistency, consistency, more fluidity. Laval Jordan finally starting to get his guys to play the way the team wants to play defensive-minded. So while UConn did score 72 points the last time these two teams played, the defense has just steadily been getting better for Butler. So be ready for that. Now we're going to take a look at the Butler roster. We're going to start with number 52, Jair Bolden. He's a grad student, 6'3", 210. I believe he started his career at South Carolina. He's the leading minutes getter for the Bulldogs, averaging 13.5 points per game on 42% shooting from three. He's 48% in all catch and shoots, runs pick and roll sparingly, and when he does, Butler's just shooting 34%. They do run him off screens 26 times, shooting 41% coming off screens. He's 17 for 50 off dribble, off the dribble, and he's coming off a 5 for 12 performance from deep against DePaul. Jair Bolden is a knockdown shooter. He has range. UConn did a great job in the first matchup, not allowing him to even get three-pointers off. Number two, Aaron Thompson, senior guard, 6'2", 195, averages about 33 minutes per game, 13 points, 4.3 assists. He shoots 59% from the field. However, one for three from three, meaning he is not a three-point threat. Okay, he's run, runs pick and rolls often, 87 times so far this year, despite missing, I believe, six or seven games. Butler is shooting 41% on all of Thompson's pick and rolls. He keeps it about 50% of the time. He will reject pick and rolls. And on his keeps, he's shooting 50%. He's also shooting 68% around the basket, not on post-ups, but once he gets into the lane, more likely than not to finish. Number three, Chuck Harris, freshman, also a guard, 28.6 minutes, averaging 11 points per game, 41% from the field, 40% from three. He's shooting 53% at all catch and shoots. He will also run the pick and roll 81 times. Okay, when he keeps it, though, only 5 for 24. But when he passes it, Butler is shooting 21 for 39 from the field. Okay, Harris, another guy, great shooter. UConn did a fantastic job taking him away, not even allowing him to shoot in that first time. I would imagine Laval Jordan has some some design, some strategies to get Harris and Bolden both open. Bryce Enzi, number 10, he's a redshirt senior, 6'7", 230. He's averaging 31 minutes per game, 9.8 points per game, 8.1 rebounds per game. He's shooting 46% from the field, 7 for 17 from 3. So not that much of a threat, but he will shoot it, okay? He has posted up 54 times. When he keeps it, he's only 8 for 24. But when he passes it, Butler is shooting 10 for 24 off passes on the post. So I believe in that first matchup, they were throwing it into Enzi and... Butler was getting a lot of their points just cutting off the post. So UConn's got to make sure they have those active hands, okay, on cutters and preventing those easy passes. He will set ball screens. When he does, usually it's a pick and pop. 
Number 33, Bryce Golden, junior, 6'9", 260. He's the biggest guy in the Bulldogs roster, averaging 9.4 points per game and close to five rebounds per game, shooting 41% from the field, one for 18 from three. When he pick, when he sets a ball screen, he will either roll or pop. When he does pop, only three for 14. Okay, when they throw it to him on the post 29 times, he has kept it 25 times, all right? And Butler overall, nine for 22 when they throw it to Golden in the post. Number 12, Miles Tate, another freshman guard, six foot 160, averaging close to 30 minutes per game, 8.7 points per game, 3.5 rebounds per game, and close to three assists, shooting just 36% from the field, 32% from three, catch and shoots only 11 for 36. He's been used the most in pick and rolls this year. Thompson, if he was not injured, would definitely be the most, but it's been Tate used in on those 96 pick and rolls, Butler shooting 45% from the field when Tate keeps it, just shooting 33%, and he's 7 for 28 off the dribble. Last guy we're going to talk about, number 5, Miles Wilmeth. He's a freshman, 6'9", 250. He's a big man. He's getting less than 18 minutes per game, only averaging about 3 points per game, but he's slowly making his way into the rotation. All right, on the year, he's 3 for 7 from 3, but 3 for 6 from 3 in his last in the last two wins for Butler. He's been a very good defender. He's a versatile defender. Gives Laval Jordan another front court player who can also switch out to maybe a more athletic wing. He actually played over Bryce Golden, a senior at the end of DePaul's or I'm sorry, a junior Golden, but still he played over Golden at the end of the DePaul game. Okay? So Jordan is more than willing to go with the freshman Wilmeth. Onto what we're looking for. So first, can UConn bounce back? Losers of two straight. Hurley's called on even more passion and more leadership, specifically from RJ Cole and Isaiah Whaley. He's called more from his seniors in general, Polly, Whaley, Carlton. But we're going to start with Cole. Cole, first-year player, asked to deliver a lot with Book Knight out of the lineup. He's been a consistent primary defender on opposing teams' point guards. It's a league loaded with talented guards, okay? So he's been asked to do that. He's been asked to lead this team now, both by his play and his actions. He's been tasked with setting up the offense for poly threes, for Sonogo on the block, for giving the ball to Martin in playmaking positions. And now he's being asked to provide even more scoring, similar to what he provided at Howard. So again, heading into the year, it was almost expected that Cole would be this, you know, sure thing as a scorer okay but clearly taking some time to adjust to this level of play all right and I think despite these last two games being losses I believe we are seeing a small shift in offensive production from him knocked down multiple threes against St. John's had success when he was aggressive versus Creighton particularly in the second half particularly or particularly late in the first half I should say and particularly when he was aggressive off ball screens okay so tonight he'll be going against Aaron Thompson who's a who's great in the pick and roll, great on offense. So Cole will have to deal with that. And then Thompson's also a very good on-ball defender. So tough task tonight for Cole. Hopefully he's able to provide leadership at the very least. Okay, set the example for these guys, get some production. And if he can't, then we'll look to fellow backcourt mate, Jalen Gaffney. So Hurley had quotes about Gaffney. We need to see 20 to 25 minutes next, next to his name consistently because of his playmaking ability. He's only played 20-plus minutes in two of the Big East games, first being the home one against Creighton, and then in the last Butler game, he played exactly 20 minutes. Put together a nice game, five points, four rebounds, three assists. 
You just hope he can continue to positively impact the game in any way possible when he's out there. Continue to develop confidence one possession at a time. At a time. With Gaffney, if Gaffney's not producing, then you're really relying on Cole. You're relying on Adams, okay, who Adams, while he's, you know, we need more of him. Earlier comments about some more offensive confidence from him. He's not really you're going to be your primary or secondary option as a playmaker. So hopefully Gaffney can continue to step up, all right? And if not, then it's going to be back to relying on Tyrese Martin. So on to our next point of Tyrese Martin. 12 shots against Butler the first time around, 14 shots first to Paul, got to the free throw line eight times, 11 shots against St. John's, eight free throw attempts, but just seven shots against Creighton and only two free throw attempts. So heading into this year, I'm not sure if we were expecting Martin to be a go-to guy in the offense, but with book night out, the offense being stagnant with the games he showed against DePaul and then Butler, it seemed like he is turning into an option. We just need more consistency out of him. So Something to monitor here. Early in the game against Butler the first time, we ran multiple sets to get him the ball in the post. Haven't seen him in a while. Only seven shot attempts for Creighton. Wouldn't be surprised if Hurley goes back to that. Try to get him going. Try to get him easy touches in the post. Maybe he gets fouled. Okay, or maybe he can have easy finishes. Speaking of getting the ball in the block, Sonogo been our most consistent, most relied upon scorer. Operating out of the post. Hurley's designed more offensive sets to get him the ball in position to, to score. So Horn's rip set, evolution of our floppy set, which now involves a block-to-block. -block. Also ran this simple just wing entry into a block-and-block, -block, trying to get Sonogo the ball. So expect more variations of those. Post-ups this year, Butler allowing 53% shooting. Bryce Golden, their biggest player, allowing 67% shooting on post-ups. Enzi, 5-for-8. Harris, who's a guard, so maybe that's Martin going up against him, allowing six for 10 on post-ups. We've also evolved our high-low set, right? Sonogo, so let's say the ball's on the right wing. Sonogo sets a ball screen. He dives to the hoop. We throw the ball to Whaley, who's popped to the top of the key. We then look for the high-low from Whaley at the top to Sonogo on the bottom. We've evolved that into our ball screen continuity offense. Currently, it's our pinned tweet on Twitter, at BleedBlueBlog. Check it out. We do a very in-depth breakdown of what it looks like okay it just basically involves moving the ball side to side okay guys going back door constant ball screens rolling replacing all that so i like this set it's completely different from our other sets we've been running our offense which has used ball screens mostly in transition or end of shot clock situations become a major piece now because why because opens up multiple ways to get Sonogo the ball in the post. Now we're not just relying on those block-to-block -block screens. Okay, it's a different look for opposing defenses. With this ball screen continuity set, we can either throw it to him on the high-low, which we've seen, or on the roll, which is something he needs to improve on, making a play while catching it on the roll. Okay, it basically opens up, creates a weak side or an empty side with no weak side defender. Okay, it also allows for more driving lanes for guards, more space to get downhill, get into the paint, make a play. Cole, very successful in the pick and roll. Howard, slowly coming along now. Gaffney, better in the pick and roll the last few the last few games. So Adams even able to get into the paint on, on the pick and roll, okay? So you hope with this ball screen continuity set, all right, you're opening up different options to get the ball to Sonogo and then more space for your guards to make a play. And also when we run it, basically the way it's run is if Sonogo's rolling to the hoop, Whaley or whoever are four is going to pop to the top of the key. Okay, and this is where Whaley needs to shoot the three because if this is going to be our offense, he's going to get those clean looks because 
teams are going to sag off him. So he has to shoot it. If Polly was a better passer, specifically post-entry passer, he would be lethal in this position because teams would have to close out hard on him and then it would allow for easy one-on-one post-offense for Sonogo. But with Whaley not being a threat, teams can sag off him and now Whaley's got to throw it over two guys into Sonogo. Okay, so for now, for Polly, as Hurley said, improve as a defender, improve the way he comes off screens constantly. He's flying out towards the perimeter for threes. All right, he's got to start curling, cutting back door, fading, etc. But again, that ball screen continuity offense, okay, I hope it's something we continue to see because I think it, if we're going with the two bigs lineup, two big lineups, it still creates enough spacing for Sonogo on the block or Whaley perimeter perimeter or mid-range shots and for guards drive into the hoop and then quick note about our defense butler's offense butler goes to the pick and roll a lot 36 percent of the time have to do a better job at hedging out on the ball screens and then returning to the roller okay because if we take too much time returning to the roller our weak side defender or our mig okay has to wait keep tagging the roller before getting back to either harris or bolden good shooters against creighton it was Alec and Mahoney okay and there were a couple times where Sonogo was hard hedging okay and the point guard with or Zigorowski would throw it to the wing and Sonogo would turn his head and ball watch rather than just sprinting back to his guy you know obviously he's a freshman it's a very demanding pick and roll coverage but by not returning to the roller you're putting your MIGs in tough positions because they have to stay too long tagging the roller, and then it opens up those wide corner threes. We saw it with Mahoney and Balak, potentially Harrison Bolden, a Butler. So something just to keep an eye on, okay? Butler, you know, they don't pick and roll often. It's, it is a pick and pop, but again, maybe this is something they see. Hit Golden on the rolls. Are we tagging? How long are we tagging for? Okay, and then can we close out accordingly? Also... Post possessions for Butler, they only go to it 12% of the time, but scoring out of 46% of those possessions, so almost half. Okay, first time these two teams played, it was a lot of Whaley at the five, but obviously with the way Sonogo's been playing, you want him to be on the court as much as possible. So need Sonogo to clean up returning after the hedges, also limiting those post fouls, okay, and just sliding his feet, keeping those hands up so that way he can stay on the court. And then the defense just in general needs to be better, okay? It's what you hang your hat on, your defense. St. John's loss was tough because your defense wasn't able to come through for you when you, when you needed it to. It's better against Creighton, but when you aren't scoring a lot of points, you just can't afford to not get stops, okay? Creighton 15 for 26 in the second half from the field, okay? So just too high of a percentage. So and just a reminder of what we've discussed in the past, more the ball has energy, more everyone is involved. The more you see the ball goes in, the more inclined you are to go a little bit harder on the next rotation or be a little bit more engaged off the ball or be a little bit more on your toes to prevent the drive. So, again, hopefully this continuity ball screen set helps with, you know, the ball has energy portion of it. Last thing, UConn, while they haven't been able to convert on second chance opportunities, they do rank third in offensive rebounding percentage. Butler, meanwhile, ranks 18th in opponents' offensive rebounding percentage, meaning what? They don't allow many offensive rebounds, just nine in the first meeting. So UConn will continue to pound the offensive glass, but might not get as many extra possessions as we've become accustomed to seeing in the last few games. If not, look for UConn to try and get out in those advantage situations. Butler likes to play slow. They've done a really good job dictating tempo in their last two wins. 
First time these two teams met, UConn did take advantage of those advantageous situations of five on four, four on three, and executed pretty well. They were able to find Polly early and often. They were also able to find success out of their secondary offense, especially into the post, okay? Just kind of throw it around a four out, one in, looking for Sonogo. So maybe again, Sonogo again tonight, maybe Carlton has been called upon to make something out of his last season. Looked like in the Creighton game, couple possessions where our secondary offense flowed into the continuity ball screen set, which I like. You're immediately putting the pressure, putting pressure on your on the defense before they're set up. You're reversing it both sides, already getting backdoor actions and pick and rolls. It's good stuff. So I hope it's more secondary ball screen. So maybe you're not your secondary sets into the continuity set. So maybe you're not scoring or attacking in the first zero to ten seconds, but you're going to make a play getting at least one or two paint touches in that 11 to 20 seconds of the shot clock so recap rj cole has to do even more can he come through please more jalen gaffney keep building sonogo in the post martin in the post balls new ball screen continuity set our ball screen defense offensive rebounding may not be as much of a factor but maybe advantage situations are okay that's going to do it for me Thanks so much for listening. UConn hoping to go for the season sweep of Butler, 8.30 p.m. Fox Sports 1. Win over Butler would give UConn two season sweeps of Big East opponents with DePaul being the other. Anytime you get a season sweep over a conference opponent, especially in the Big East, it's a special thing. So thanks again, and go Huskies.